Tavadish. Welcome back to the Escalation 1985 podcast. I am your host, Peter Bell, also known as Peter Bell in the Discord. Joining me today is Lucas Parham. Hello, also known as Fallout 2077 in the Discord. And our very special guest today, Sven, also known as Spielfuhrer in the Discord. He served in the National Volks Army, also known as the East German Army, from 1986 until the unification of Germany in 1991, and is currently serving in the Bundeswehr. Um, and has a couple more years of his uh, of his service. So, Shren, do you kind of want to uh, um, give us a little backstory as to, uh, or you know, when you joined the NVA and uh, you know where that took you to today? Yeah, hi guys. Of course, I will do as good for me as possible because my English is uh, lacking some skills uh, because we learned Russian and uh, not English. So don't be harsh to me. But uh, I served from 1986 to the reunification in the NVA. I started my officer career uh, there. Uh, first, I was uh, yeah, drafted to the 8th Motschützen uh, Regiment in Schwerin and had my officer's course in Löbau. And yeah, because I was uh, a kind of good student, uh, I wanted to do something different just, just to be a normal Motschütze and therefore first wanted to join Grenztruppen or Honor Guard or stuff like that but because uh, our membership in the SED party was mandatory I was only able to uh, join the paratroopers uh, and yeah I just started my career there in Lenin and yeah after the reunification I I uh, went to the Bundeswehr also as a paratrooper uh, until uh, yeah, my, my knees were so damaged that I was attached to something different and that was the electronic warfare branch. E Excellent. Now, you have quite a colorful career and we have a lot of questions from our Patreons. So, Feel free. first question we would like to... yeah. First question we would like to ask you is, what is your most memorable or unforgettable memory from your time in service? Oh, my most memorable me memories. <laughs> Sounds funny. Uh, no, the, the best thing in the NVA, of course, was for me uh, the comradeship. So, so the Esprit de Corps that, that was all about it, especially in, in the paratroopers branch. Uh, we had a very, very good comradeship. Uh, I still have some contacts to former comrades and some friends of mine and yeah, that was the best part of that time. I'm sure the training was exceptionally hard given that you were a part of the Warsaw Pact and I'm sure the training was definitely a lot, a lot more difficult than I'd say NATO training. Yeah, uh, we were always on alert. We had uh, a very high discipline where we were uh, trained yeah almost 24 days uh 24 days 24 hours a day so uh we are just running have training special courses and yeah that's six days a week uh only on sunday you were kind of allowed to leave and uh, that only for for a few hours and yeah we were always always combat ready um we we talked about this a little bit before the podcast, but um, so how how is service 
uh, in the NBA scene in modern-day Germany. I once read that after reunification, veterans of the NBA were not considered veterans of any German military, and it took some time for them to receive any sort of compensation. Uh, we, we had talked about this, um, so go ahead. And- yeah, it's, uh, especially in, uh, in the latest time with our uh, Ministress of Defense, with Ursula von der Leyen, uh, we had a new... Uh, yeah, traditions alas, so all about our traditions and stuff like that. And yeah, they stated that the Wehrmacht and uh, the NVA uh, is not allowed to be a part of the traditions because they served for yeah, cruel, cruel uh, yeah, states, so to speak, and therefore aren't mentioned as veterans. So we so are. So they considered they considered because you were socialists that you were considered just as, I guess... Because East Germany was considered a a foreign state. It wasn't part of the... Yeah, it's it's not because it was a foreign state, but uh, because of the Schiesbefehl, so shooting on civilians that tried to cross the border, and uh, also because of the Stasi. So it's uh, called uh, that it's not a... a state that uh, fought for human rights and yeah that's it that's the main point yeah and uh so so nothing ever really all the soldiers uh who had served they lost all their benefits and they weren't considered veterans so did that ever change or is that still how it is even now uh no it's it's uh, currently the way it is so uh the the Soldiers that were allowed to join the Bundeswehr were demoted normally by two ranks. Uh, most of the guys were not allowed to join the Bundeswehr, especially not uh, these guys that were party members of the SED uh, or in specialized uh, battalions or regiments like uh, Grenztruppen, so border guards or uh, the honor guard like Felix Jetzinski and stuff like that. Yeah. Wow. So pretty much anything even moderately politically affiliated we're not allowed to join the Bundeswehr. Well, uh, a few days ago uh, we had a a new definition about veterans. So every soldier that served in the Bundeswehr is now able to call himself a veteran. So so I'm going to be a veteran veteran (laughs) even if I was in the NVA. (laughs) There you go. Um... Is there anything you missed about the MVA or the DDR? Uh, what I miss? Uh, mm, the food was uh, was a little bit different, and uh, also a lot of Russian food was uh, influencing the East German cuisine. And yeah, it's all a little bit gun, and especially in the military, uh, we had uh, a very high discipline, and yeah. It was a little bit lacking in the NATO states. Uh, we were physical fit, uh, had a lot of training, specialized courses, and yeah, in the Bundeswehr it was all a little bit more easy, so to speak. So I, I miss these these harsh times. Uh, there were also a lot of jokes uh, after the reunification. So. Uh, yeah, how did you how did you feel when you like heard the news or like you know do you remember where you were when you heard that the wall was taken down? It was at that time it was uh, a critical moment because we 
we were also drafted uh, to to the uh, borders and we're on uh, alert, on a high alert, and yeah, we didn't knew what what was going to happen. Uh, are we are we used used to our weaponry to 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 fight our own own uh, people and stuff like that? But uh, afterwards, we were very glad about that uh, the wall was taken down, and yeah. We had Germans on, on the west side with Germans on the east side and at least for me it was a, a very heroic moment. Um, I know in the west a lot of people were kind of were completely surprised by you know the fall of the wall. It just all the sudden seemed so sudden. You know, were there being in the east was there any indication? Did you ever think it might happen or did, was it a total surprise to you as well? No, the, for me personally it was a total surprise because we were trained uh, for combat readiness uh, until the last day and uh, always facing the the class enemy or the arc enemy in the west and therefore it was uh, completely out of the sun for me yeah that's very interesting so so we already talked about you know what you served in what what ranks were you i know you you said you went to officer school what um what rank were you when you when you graduated from that what when you first got to your unit um, first, I was uh, officer's cadet, so we had had uh, special ranks for that, the Offizierschüler, and uh, it was yeah you were promoted each year with your study year, and after that you were promoted to uh, to lieutenant, so or a lieutenant. So. And what was your first unit? Like, did you serve, I know, did you serve in the, the Montschutzen, the, the motorized infantry at all? Or did you pretty quickly switch over to paratroopers? Uh, what was your first unit after? I had my uh, basic course there and then switched uh, to my officer's course. Okay. Um, and when you, what? so when you were in the paratrooper regiment, uh, what what was your task in your unit? What was your role? What did What did you do? Uh, first of all, I was a platoon leader, or and therefore second in command. And yeah, later I should be uh, yeah promoted to Hauptmann or captain, and then uh, should be a commanding officer for a company. But yeah, their unifi unification just dropped in. <laughs> okay. Um, now before. This actually, because we just mentioned that you were, because you just mentioned that you were platoon leader. While we're on that topic, I saw another question, but I wasn't sure how to bring it in. Someone had asked about how that how that was organized. Um, I know how uh, how infantry was organized, but I'm not sure about paratroopers. So maybe maybe it was different. Uh, three squads in a platoon, yeah. Yeah, it, it was uh, pretty the same to to Motschützen, but uh, yeah, every member of of this group had uh, special tasks and. We also had our choppers uh, assisting us, so yeah, that's it. Yeah, uh, and so were you mostly inserted by helicopters, or did you do like paratrooper jobs from from planes, or I mean both? Probably, uh, right? We were trained in both, but uh, normally uh, it was supposed that we drop in with our uh, choppers with a Mi-24 with the hind, and uh, oh, yeah, wow. just so you wiping the field. Get out of the chopper on the ground and uh, fight us through. That was basically the main task. 
Okay. But were you were you trained with uh, like were you jump certified uh, to be able to do a static line jump out of a um or did they I, I'm not even sure if the NBA did that with was that well we had uh, special courses for everything for uh, a license for dropping out of planes for dropping out of uh, choppers right. we had uh, special uh, courses in tactics especially in uh, Luftsturm tactic so our air assault raid tactics we had in that time and yeah um on that uh, would you do you know what your wartime role would have been? What your unit would have done if there had been a war? Had you ever been trained or told what you guys would have done, where you would have been? Uh, our main objectives objectives were normally to uh, establish uh, special bridgeheads, or uh, it depend uh, was depending on on the company you were serving in. Some were also specialized in wiping out uh, nuclear sites in West. Uh, Western Europe, uh, West Germany. Were you ever told which unit your, yours was, or was it not pre-assigned, more so just whatever at the time? Uh, for my time, uh, well, my time, my part, oh, pardon me, <laughs> my part was just uh, to establish bridgeheads and uh, fight in, in the depth and, yeah, hold out until so until uh, the main army is uh, yeah dropping nearer. And uh, when when you do you know where at you would have been deployed? I mean, you probably don't. Uh, no, that was uh, yeah. not my business at that time as a small <laughs> company, uh, yeah. small platoon leader. So. Um, okay, uh, what what weapons did you have? Um, I assume you had an AK. Yeah. Uh, did you have the uh, 5.4574 type? Uh, uh, we were trained in a lot of weaponry. We had the AK-47. Oh, main weaponry was uh, AK-74 or MP at, as we called them because uh, in the NVA it was uh, yeah, named as a machine pistol yeah, or submachine gun and not as a assault, assault rifle so so clones of the of the 47 and 74 and it was uh, yeah East German AK-74s yeah when you were when you were a platoon commander your standard that you used was the, the AK-74, the folding stock, right? Yeah, the K and And, and you version. had that, yeah, you had that the full time you were a parachute, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then what What about grenades? Uh, do, you, do you ever have to use grenades? I mean, obviously you trained with them, but did you ever carry them? What types, do you know that? Uh, with the RGO we had, uh, also we had specialized uh, anti-tank grenades. Uh, we were also trained, of course, in anti anti-tank weaponry like RPG-7 RPG and also some some squads were also trained in uh, anti-air weaponry like uh, Strela 2, Strela 3, Igla and yeah. Uh, Surface-to-air heat-seeking launchers. Yeah, exactly. Are the Were the grenades any similar? I don't know if you can answer this as well, Luke. Are they as similar to the uh, RGD-5 or the... Sorry, is it RGD-5 or RGD-2? The RGD-5. Um, RGD-5s, yeah. yeah. Uh, the, the Soviets used the F-1 and the RGD-5. As far as I'm aware, the East Germans used both of those as well. Yeah. Uh, and then, as he said... Were the they RGD clones, or were they actually just Soviet? I think the Soviet... I, well, the East Germans might have made them, but I, I think the Soviets also sent some. The, the RGD-5 was offensive, so it had a bigger explosion, less fragmentation. It meant for assaults. And the F-1 was more of a defensive uh, 
smaller explosion, a lot uh, more we, fragmentation. We had mainly the RGO, it was uh, was a def defensive hand grenade, yeah. That's yeah, it. Yeah. Um, and did you ever use the, the RPG-18, which is kind of like a similar to the US law, like a disposable uh, one-shot? I was trained on it, uh, fired a few shots, but uh, as a plume leader, it was uh, not my task. Uh, yeah. Yeah. To fire all all weaponry we had, and we had a lot of weaponry. As, as I said, we had AK-47, AK-74, we had uh, Strela 2, Strela 3, Igla. We had our machine guns, grenades, and yeah, also trained with mines and anti-tank warfare. Uh, that's that. Uh, when I when I look back at that time, uh, especially in the Bundeswehr, <laughs> from now on, uh, it was uh, kind of crazy what we were trained, especially in anti-tank warfare. So jumping on, jumping on uh, tanks, uh, blinding them with with our tents and laying mines uh, before the tracks and stuff like that. So <laughs> did you say? Did you say blinding yeah, them with exactly. your tent? Huh. That's crazy. So they, they, they taught you they or told you that you could do that. I mean, I guess it would work in, in theory, but getting up to a tank and throwing your... The Zeltbahn, yeah? If you're on a house-to-house uh, yeah, -house combat or a close combat battle and you had some tanks, so and you had used all your uh, anti-tank weaponry like RPG-7, uh, Vampire and uh, stuff like that, yeah, then you had still your mines, uh, your Zeltbahn, and then you were jumping out of the window onto the onto the tank, uh, blinding him with your Zeltbahn, so the optics and stuff like that, and uh, laying the mines before the tracks, hoping that he drives right onto them and <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs> so those are like... Or if they had to, to open the hatch to move the Zeltbahn, you could get them then when they, when they came out. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So Zeltbahns are basically... That, that's crazy. I, that's great. Uh, I was going to ask Peter, if uh, Zeltbahns, are, are those like cloches? Basically, okay. Yeah, it's it's like it's the East German the version of the plush, rain pattern. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's also not very, not very thick. It wouldn't it wouldn't like stop rain. It's not like the the Soviet one. In the Soviet one's not even. No, that, I don't. I don't. That I don't prefer thing. using them. They're very uncomfortable. Yeah, it's not. It's 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 pretty thin, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, it was working so. Yeah. On, on the topic of the Zeltbahn, by the way, I've talked to a few other Eastern veterans. They said they never ever really used it. Did you ever use it? Did you ever use it as a poncho? And as we discussed, since that's not very uh, effective, we, probably we not. We use it on on a daily basis. So. <laughs> yeah. Oh really? Yeah. I guess I guess it would be different for you. You guys didn't really have vehicles like uh, infantry who had the like, like BMPs or BTRs. So you you guys. Probably would. Do you use it as a tent more often? Probably, right? Or did you use it as a uh, as a poncho, as a tent, uh, using to conceal uh, some hideouts and uh, yeah, stuff like that. That's great. Um, and and on the topic of gear, you had that big that vest. Like you didn't wear like a belt kit. You wore a vest, right? As a pair. Uh, yeah, we had, yeah, we had specialized uh, equipment, but it wasn't that good. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's all about the man, uh, and, the gun, and his mindset, and that's it. <laughs> um, okay, now let's. Uh, here's a here's another question. Uh, what were the most surprising East German slash Soviet secrets uh, that you or your friends were 
found out about after the wall came down in 89, if anything? What were like some things that you had never known about East Germany or the Soviets or the army that kind of surprised uh, the, uh, you? Two, two memories that got to mind. Uh, the first one was that uh, uh, a friend of mine, uh, his wife was was a member of, of the Stasi and we didn't knew about it and she was uh, yeah collecting intel all about his husband and therefore also about his friends and yeah a little bit scary if you have have your own wife uh, collecting intel about you and sending it to the Stasi it's pretty scary and uh, the second one was a friend of mine was a uh, was a professor on in the university and also his wife was also a agent from the Stasi and without the reunification we wouldn't have known at all so that's so why why were they why were their or the why were they collecting intel on their husbands if they knew they were in the military like if and they kind of knew they were loyal to East Germany almost <laughs> It's, yeah, sometimes uh, maybe we were not uh, not doing uh, everything right in, in the point of view of the of the regiment uh, of the regime. And yeah, if you, for example, had affair an affair for for affair with another woman, for example, then then it was used against you. So uh, say. Yeah, had a lot of pressure on you then, and therefore you had the choice. Else, uh, we tell it uh, your wife or you work for us as an agent, and yeah, stuff like that. So, the honey trap was uh, very common in that in that time. Um, were were lies spread about NATO or the West German Army? Anything? Ah, you know? uh, yeah. the main lie. Uh, we were normally facing with that uh, the Bundeswehr and especially well, the NATO, the Allied forces uh, in general uh, were aggressive at all, always waiting uh, for a weak moment uh, from the East German army uh, just uh, to yeah wait until we have our guards down and then start their attack. So that was the main lie when I then joined the Bundeswehr and uh, we saw that Fridays, normally 11 o'clock, uh, the, the duty was was off, then <laughs> yeah, you, you just ask yourself whatever what I've done all these years on Saturday and Sunday when, when I was on guard, was on duty, had uh, very hard uh, courses and uh, drills and stuff like that, <laughs> and yeah. A little bit funny afterwards. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting to see, you know, I have, I had a few friends who's, um, there, well, I, I have a friend who, uh, her father, uh, served in the Soviet army around the same time as you, actually. I, he, I, I believe he served up until the re reunification and just, he, he realized how much, you know, how he actually moved to the United States because after, you know, he was able to look a little bit look a little more into you know american culture and you know who we actually or just kind of nato in general and all those people he was kind of told that we were that were evil he was he was surprised and and you know reassured that um 
it wasn't as it as it seemed to be. So it's it's, it's really interesting to hear. Yeah, that you know? uh, that was uh, pretty common, I think. <laughs> what was the NBA propaganda like? Uh, how many facts were spread which turned out to be untrue or inaccurate after 1989? <sighs> oh, hard to answer. Uh, yeah, as I said, the main the main lie for us in in the military was uh, that the Bundeswehr or uh, the, the USA is just waiting uh, that that we are uh, lacking our our guards uh, or let our guard down and waiting for a perfect moment just to start their aggression and uh, they are uh, provoking us uh, we are very aggressive and stuff like that but uh, yeah normally the opposite was was true but if you look at that time uh, in the late 80s, uh, there were also some big-scale uh, uh, maneuvers from 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 the West Western armies, and it was always used a lot for propaganda reasons. So, um, did did you know uh, that the Soviets had a lot of nuclear ballistic missile trucks? launch sites uh, spread across East Germany, hidden in large forests and near air bases, or did you not know about that? Um, no, it, it was not not our daily business. Uh, we were trained, sometimes we saw nuclear uh, missile launches and stuff like that, so we were trained uh, in wiping out these, these sites, but uh, it was not that common, so we were normally sticking to normal uh, weapon drills and yeah, anti-tank warfare, sniper school, tactic, tactic courses and stuff like that, yeah. So when you say you saw uh, nuclear missile launches, you mean like uh, ballistic missile um, testing or? No, like the, the vehicles Yeah, the themselves. vehicles are. Uh, yeah. Oh, Because okay. they didn't do testing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> um, so, were you? I mean, were you kind of aware of mutually assured destruction? Like, oh, did you? Were you did, it, did it ever occur to you? Like, okay, all this training would kind of be for nothing if the war did escalate into a nuclear exchange. Uh, no, that, that was not our mindset. Our mindset was uh, to train hard. So, yeah, I can copy the the marine. I think it's marine okay. motto. So the only easy day was yesterday, and uh, if I do something hard today, uh, it will e will be easy tomorrow. So that was our daily mindset, and as I said before, right. it's, it was all about comradeship, and uh, the esprit de corps was was very high. So it was not of our business. Um, on that on that similar. Uh, area. Did you ever think there was going to be a war or that there might be a war or were you, because I know or either during your service or even before you went in as you were growing up I know a lot of people in the West were afraid, you know, I think there was some poll back in 83 that some 50% of Americans believed that there would be a war before the end of the decade. Uh, did you ever think that there was going to be a war? Were there any alerts or times when you, you woke up in the middle of the night and thought this is it, this is real, this is you know, did any of that ever happen? Uh, well, yeah, I said that the training was hard, and it was. Uh, uh, we said we said it was Kriegsner, so uh, so very close to, to war, and therefore we also had uh, some 
some very bad injuries or uh, accidents also with uh, uh, dead comrades uh, during our courses. And so we were always trained uh, that the war could happen immediately at any time. So we were always, always combat ready. That, that was our motto. So we, we we had no special special event or moment that we said oh now it now it's going to happen but uh, yeah we were ready for every moment always on guard yeah that was the main point at least uh, for us paratroopers because when when the war would go hot uh, we were first to strike so yeah you guys would be flying across the border pretty soon after or right away yeah. Um. Right. So, since you you definitely have your experiences with you know living in East Germany, you know what what would you like to see in Escalation 1985? You know, with your with your background, what, what 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 is me. most important yeah, for you? Yeah, it's uh, it's to to try to build up this illusion that you are really really into into this time that uh, all all the buildings all the propaganda maybe the radios uh, or music stations are sending all all these old songs and yeah that that you are just feel that you are right right into into this time that's that's uh, creating the immersion and then if you have uh, nice uh, nice models from the weapons and very close to realistic, uh, yeah, recoil and stuff like that. That's that's creating for me the perfect game. Yeah, that's what we're going for. So that's exciting. Yeah, that's why I'm here, guys. I, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm uh, one of the historical advisors as well. So that stuff is what I'm working hard on to make sure that uh, that it actually feels like 1985. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that it's an accurate setting so yeah that's definitely very important stuff so i'm glad to hear that uh yeah well you know you know i'm not i'm not that hardcore gamer so i'm not uh yeah do one headshot uh, after another so for me it's it's just the feeling to be to be in the game in that time in that era and yeah just waiting like a stalker for the right moment and yeah shooting some guys <laughs> um, in in your experience how would you describe working with other Warsaw Pact armies during large-scale military exercises how did the Poles Bulgarians Hungarians Czechs etc compare to Soviets or your own troops in terms of training behavior or general combat effectiveness and do you have any stories related to this well uh, we were training from time to time with the Poles and yeah, especially the Poles had uh, my greatest respect because they were also very, very fit, very aggressive in house-to-house -house combat or close combat. And yeah, also very good trained in hand-to-hand -hand combat. So for me, the Poles were uh, yeah, second to none uh, in, in uh, our Warsaw Pact comrades. So... These were very highly trained guys. So, did you think highly of the? Did you think the poles were better trained and motivated, or maybe not motivated, but you know, better trained than the Soviets? 
Uh, for me, yeah. For me, uh, from our uh, Waffenbrüder in the East, so our weapon comrades, uh, for me, the Poles were second to none. That's, that's uh, a fact for me. And how would you compare them to your own forces? Neck and neck, or...? I think we were pretty equal. We had uh, maybe some differences in our training, but uh, especially the Poles did did a lot with their with their moral and with their aggressive house to house combat and so uh, i think we were on part uh, maybe on some parts the poles were better like house to house combat but uh on other parts were like maybe anti tank warfare we were better and yeah so so it was pretty equal but yeah as i said the poles had my highest respect um Speaking towards that, I had actually read an article uh, not too long ago, uh, and it was talking about how there had been some clashes between East German and Polish troops in the 60s. Not like anything major, but that there was general disliking of each other, I guess probably because of you know, what happened in the Second World War. But did you ever experience any of that in the 80s? Because it sounded like, uh, I mean, did you and the Polish, did your, you know, the East German troops and the Polish troops, did they get along okay? Everything went fine? Well, uh, there are always, always some friction, uh, some, some, uh, some jokes, some, some, uh, some insults and stuff like that. So, no big deal. So for me, it was always uh, seeking the challenge with, with the other uh, companies or units, and therefore it was, uh, yeah, it was uh, raising raising the moral force so if we had a competition every everybody's doing his best and so did the poles or the czechoslovakians and therefore i think uh, this little tricks and insults and treats were were good good for the moral and for the training for, so for me it was wasn't a big deal yeah um, and, and one other question about the Poles. The ones that you trained with, were they just regular infantry or were they also paras like you? Uh, it was not uh, paras, but uh, what was it? I think it was uh, marine infantry. Mm. So. Okay. Um, oh, okay. Was there any particular reason that they were putting Fallschirmjägers and the marines together or was it just kind of uh, random? I think it was just exchange of experiences between uh, special special forces units so if I remember correctly these these poles uh, these marine infantry were uh, like, like frogmans from from Denmark or stuff like that so it was a specialized unit and therefore uh, changing uh, experience was yeah, yeah, was very good at that time. Yeah, so. the uh, the Polish's main role in war was to primarily take on Denmark, mostly by themselves. Um, the Marines and the Polish Paras would land, and then the infantry would come up through southern Germany. Um, and we will have them in game doing that. Uh, so it's it's interesting to hear that you actually got to, to train with Polish uh, Marines. That's pretty neat. Um, uh, part of another part of that question. Uh, also, did you have as much of an opportunity to mingle with your Waffenbrüders <laughs> um, as? Do you want me to? Do you want me to try this one? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, did you have much of an opportunity to mingle with your Waffenbrüders um, as modern NATO troops have, or was it a concept of uh, Waffenbrüderschaft and uh, internationalist alliance just for show? 
Uh, to be honest, I, I can't answer this uh, in general, but uh, for Power Troopers, uh, I think even today uh, we j were just sticking to other special special forces or special operating forces. So I can't talk about it in general, but uh, we had at least uh, some exchange between these uh, special forces or had some special courses like sniper school also with uh, uh, with different uh, countries like uh, the poles and stuff um right how was okay uh, on a different gear uh, how was the effectiveness of NATO forces at the time rated with the NVA were they like rated as in you know they're really tough so we are going to have a battle but we'll still win or was it more so NATO's weak and we'll have an easy victory I mean what was the the mindset what were you trained? Uh, at least for paratroopers, it was that uh, we know uh, the weaponry from the NATO was uh, high class. So, uh, but in our point of view, the moral and uh, the training, the drill was not not so good uh, as ours. So, we mainly relied also on our moral, on on our esprit de corps, our comradeship, and very high drill and. Uh, yeah, training that was very close to real war. So, yeah, it was it was all about our mindset. That that's that's it. Yeah. Was there a? Uh, this is another part of the same question. Uh, was there a high level of confidence in being able to win a war at the time, or did troops view a potential conflict as a losing affair? I mean, we already kind of talked about this, um, but go ahead. And uh yeah, of, of course. Uh, socialism will will always win. Huh? <laughs> even 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 water is uh, a socialist thing. Even it press out your your urine. <laughs> <laughs> so of course uh, it it was always told uh, socialism is victory. Uh, we are winning uh, about the Western states, and in three days we are we are in Cologne. So no big deal. Uh, based based on these views, did they did they change after the Cold War and after you've experienced being in the Bundeswehr, which would have been your opponents back then, and and being a part of NATO now? Do you, do you, do you feel the same? Do you think the NVA would have performed well? Do you think the pact would have done well? Or how how do you think now? Does that change? I think uh, the NVA would would have achieved. Uh a small victory, so gaining a foothold in uh, West Germany and also securing maybe some some uh, important bridgeheads on certain areas. But uh, in general, it was it would be a loss for both sides. So yeah, there's really no winners in war. So um, uh, that's a matter of fact. Yeah. Uh, best. But, but, Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, but after the reunification, uh, when I joined the Bundeswehr, I saw that, uh, for example, the Luftwaffe with the electronic warfare part, for example, were very highly skilled, uh, had kind of good equipment, and yeah, that's that they were not that bad as we always uh, uh, talked about them, and... Only on, on certain parts it, it was true. For example, 
we had very very high discipline. We we were always called uh, the Prussian or the Red Prussians or the Prussians from the East. So uh, we saw we saw ourselves as as uh, yeah holding up the the Prussian traditions and also we had uh, a German German uniform and not these these U.S. Uh, kind of uniform. So we were the the real, the correct German army in in the NVA, and yeah, yeah. Uh, All, the difference was also also the the orders uh, when they were given, and in in the Bundeswehr it was all more smooth, all more in a in a human human uh, yeah way, so to speak, and 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 the NVA it was all more more harsh in general so uh i don't know what's what's called it's uh, schinderei it's dutchery dutchery is it some kind of word don't know so we we were really fucked up by our our uh superiors in every single way in every matter they they could fuck us up so and that that, that was not common in in the and the Bundeswehr, but it was very common in the, in the NVA, I can say. Yeah. That was kind of my first impression about the NVA was that it was more rigorous. Uh, speaking more of trained. which, since you did serve in both, you and you mentioned uniforms. Uh, which which uniforms did you prefer, having worn both East German and West German or Bundeswehr? Which which uniforms do you ultimately think are, are better, dress and feet? Uh, for for uh, parades or public relations i think the east german uniform the <laughs> german uniform uh were a lot better they were yeah. they were shiny they fancy nice. except yeah. except uh, except the the helmet but uh yeah i i think uh the, the field gear from from the bundeswehr wasn't wasn't that bad but uh yeah for parades and uh promotions and stuff like that i was I would always choose the East German uniform, <laughs> to be honest. They do look very sharp. Uh, you had the, the big coat as well, the great coat as well, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, best NVA field ration. What was what was your favorite? If you had a favorite. I've heard they were pretty awful. But I think all <laughs> rations are. <laughs> uh, the rations were indeed very, very awful, but... Uh, yeah, we also had uh, some uh, some field cooks, and when they uh, did normal normal soup, tomato soup, or stuff like that, I I was I was just happy <laughs> when I had uh, had something in my stomachs. <laughs> I, I wouldn't mind at all. Just just a warm meal, uh, some hot coffee, and I'm ready to go. Yeah. Even today, some some hot coffee, and uh, I'm. I'm up to everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, this 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 was something I was gonna mention, but then I saw that someone had asked, so I figured I'd wait. Um, when you when you when the reunification happened, I know you said we already talked about what happened to the soldiers. A lot of guys, you know, if they were in the party or if they had you know been in more political units, Grenstrom, etc., they wouldn't be able to join. The few East Germans that were like such as yourself able to continue service in the Bundeswehr, you know, of course with your demotion and uh, such. Was there, like, Bundeswehr guys who had already been there, you know, West Germans who were already serving, 
Was there any like kind of bad blood between you? Did you have trouble making friends? Were they kind of like bitter towards you? Was there any anything like that? Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a human nature. Some uh, some guys, some kind were very interesting. Some guys were were interested in all our our gear. For example, we had our our choppers. If you have uh, modern MiG-29. Uh, so a lot, lot of guys were very interested in our gear, and it was a very friend, friendly, friendly uh, comradeship even, even then. Uh, but we also had these guys that always said, "Yeah, we would wipe you from the ground in just two days, and uh, your your tanks would broke down after six hours and stuff like that." So even today, if if you uh, monitor some forums uh, when you have East German veterans versus West German veterans. It's always the same story. We would wipe you out. Yeah, you were so bad. Al always the same story. Yeah, but I've, I've... for me, huh. for me personal, it was very, very interesting to, uh, yeah, to exchange our experience, especially in the paratroopers. We had completely different uh, tasks, courses, uh, doctrines, and. Yeah, so so it was very inter interesting, at least for me. So mm -hmm. it, it it was nice to to be in that area. But um, as you said, I was demoted in that time, and some guys uh, also joined the Bundeswehr, a friend of mine. And yeah, but uh, they realized that the Bundeswehr was wasn't their army anymore, and so they quitted after a few years. So. Um, I kind of wanted to go back to the previous question just really quickly because I had a I had a I, I just thought of um, it was one of the Steve MRE videos where he did the East German I think it was the Coca Cola. Oh, Chocolata. I don't think that's East German, is it? The the chocolate and the round. Coca Cola. Oh, what do you mean? Yeah, the the Coca Cola. I mean, I know it was around uh, before the war, but I thought it it transferred over to West Germany. Did East Germany have that too? Uh. I, I hadn't at least. <laughs> I, I knew I know that uh, on on uh, some specialized units like uh, the honor guard and so, and so on, they had it when they are on special guards. Uh, they had Coca Cola, but uh, we we hadn't it. Cause uh, I heard it's I've, really I've had really it. good. Uh, from they they used to sell tins uh, here. They're pretty good. Okay. Um, and also, another question about the field rations that just popped up. You remember the you remember that old uh, the canned bread? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know that. Yeah. <laughs> I actually, I actually have a, a an original can from I think '88 in my collection. <laughs> but even, even the Bundeswehr today uh, got uh, canned bread. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, what maybe is also interesting that we are also uh, trained or get used to to apo so i don't know if you know that it was also used from from uh, the wehrmacht uh, it was pervitin if i uh, remember it correctly it was uh, yeah crystal meth uh, in case of mm -hmm. of uh, war going hot so yeah i i i'd read about that uh, there's these special kits oh previtin yeah we had uh, special kits uh, kits uh, for that, so if we have to, yeah, hold our ground uh, bit uh, after enemy or behind enemy lines, uh, so 
to to keep the moral up and uh, be awake the full time we had April uh, in that time yeah those so. uh, special kits I'd read about um, they're, they're uh, they had you know like you said in them they were special like first aid kits had a bunch of stuff in them and that included uh, and they would only be issued in wartime obviously um, and they they were all destroyed afterwards I've been trying to get one even even without you know the the, the meth um, just for collection but you can't you can't get them anywhere they're they're completely yeah. <laughs> so they actually would have given you guys crystal they, they did that the the they were doing that for the Wehrmacht yeah. in World War II, weren't they? There was, yeah. there was, I heard it was Prevotine, that's what the... Yeah, it was uh, Prevotine in, in the Wehrmacht, and uh, we had uh, something similar, it was called April, so that was what we used, or would use uh, in case of emergencies. So uh, pilots uh, will give them these, these stuff, and also we paratroopers at least had an introduction to that stuff. Um, n now this is this is gonna be a super easy question for you. Um, best cigarettes, east or west? <laughs> it's pretty easy for me as a non-smoker. None. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh. Um, uh, we we already talked. Look, you've got quite the collection, don't you? <laughs> yeah. I Pardon me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was saying Luke had a had a collection of Eastern yeah, cigarettes. Yeah, we talked about this a little bit before. Um, I have uh, F six. Uh, caro and cabinet, and I'm sure you'll say the proper German words because I said them horribly. Cabinet, uh, uh, caro, and what was the third one? F6. F6, yeah. F6. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, those were three. I have those in my collection original, unopened East German. Um, they are, you know, they were three popular brands uh, from the time, but since he didn't smoke, he. Uh, doesn't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, good, good, good for did you. you did you have a lot of guys you were you were training with? Were they all smokers? We had we had some smokers, but uh, uh, not not very much. Only a few. So because we were trained and drilled all the time, uh, it was hard to even find and uh, get the allowance to smoke. And yeah. Yeah. Then it was not it was not it very, very a good advantage uh, to smoke right before uh, running again uh, your obstacle course or stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we we already talked about this, but uh, what around what year, if ever, were you issued the MPI K seventy four N? You had it from the start because you know paratroopers got them in eighty five. You were in in eighty six, uh, but you did say you also used the the original forty seven the MPI KEM. Uh, what the the question is? What was the general consensus of those rifles compared to the normal MPI KMs? So the AK-74 versus the AKM. Which one did you like? What did you prefer? You know, etc. Yeah, the the caliber was was different. Uh, a smaller cartridge uh, replacing the seven seven dot six two. So it it was uh, easier to to fire. Uh, some bursts and stuff like that you you could carry more ammo so for me it was uh, we had a lot of advantages with the AK74 uh, instead of the AK47 but at least we were trained with a lot of weaponry we also had uh, some trainings on on uh, Polish weaponry and stuff like that and if possible we uh, also 
trained on NATO NATO stuff, but uh, that was not always the case. We used NATO, uh, I don't know the word, uh, the, these symbols on the map, I don't know the correct term currently, uh, tactical signs. Uh, yeah. Um, this is uh, how, how were formal MVA servicemen and officers treated in post-reunification Germany? Were they looked upon poorly by West German population? Now, we, we've talked multiple times already about the, how you were treated in the military, but we haven't talked about the civilians. So what did, what did West, former West German civilians think about East Germans serving in the military? Was there anything about that? Any, any poor treatment? Oh, hard. I, I know that uh, officers uh, often, were, often were treated very, very bad after the reunification, but... Uh, that's because uh, that uh, 95 to 98 percent were were uh, members of the SED party, and therefore it was very critical after the reunification, especially for the officers. But uh, novel uh, NVA servicemen uh, wasn't a big deal, at least at that time. We had uh, other other things to do, B build up uh, the east. East Germany up to the equal level of West Germany and all that we we were able and allowed to buy a West German articles and uh, yeah th that was our main main task at that time <laughs> okay um, so that was that was all the questions uh, that the that the fans had asked um, so we can kind of talk about whatever now and there is one thing that I definitely wanted to address uh, is we had talked about, uh, we were talking about this earlier before we started the podcast, but we'll go into that now, is uh, when, when from an early age, uh, you were, you know, uh, as you said, indoctrinated, uh, starting with, you know, when you were in, I mean, go ahead and tell us, you know, about the song, when you grow up, you're joining yeah, the etc. Uh, yeah, you, you, know. you know, in, in East, East Germany, uh, not only the men, but only the women were uh, working, working hard. Uh, in West Germany, it was common that that uh, the women stay at home and only the man was was working. Uh, and so I was uh, dropped in the kindergarten or Kita, uh, as we uh, Kita, yeah, <laughs> Kindertagesstätte. <laughs> but uh, let's stick to kindergarten. Uh, we we are directly indoctrinated, so. Uh, we sang song like uh, when I when I grow big I will join the NVA and stuff like that. So uh, after that we had pre-military uh, training, so shooting with uh, small caliber guns and yeah, some kind kind of uh, training how to conceal yourself and yeah, all that pre-military stuff. And after that. Uh, you would or should go to the army. That that was uh, the regular basis. Yeah. And uh, did you did you were you a pioneer or uh, in the FDJ or did you skip all that? Uh, I I had my Jugendweihe. <laughs> that is uh, uh, similar similar to uh, communion or something like uh, from the Catholics. So. That uh, at least I was uh, participating in on that, but uh, yeah, I, as I said, I was not 
not so interested in politics at that time and especially with the party. Also, it was forbidden uh, in my family to, to join that because my family was always a little bit uh, critical about the regime. So. And you and you had said originally that your family, you, you came from a Prussian family, your you know, family had been officers and that's why right. you went in, We're, right? Yeah, uh, it was mandatory for me to, to be an officer because my grandfather was, was an officer, my brother was an officer, my father was an officer, so it was mandatory to keep these Prussian traditions up and even if you only would be uh, our officer for the reserves, so it's, uh, as it was just mandatory to to be to become an officer. Going back to kind of when you were in um, school, did you? So I know um, they actually still do this in Russia today, uh, and I believe in some other they did it in some other Warsaw Pact countries. But they had a class called Life Safety Basics. Um, I have a friend; yeah. she was telling me about it last night. They basically. Um, they have like a they had like a model AK-74 and they teach them how to disassemble it and how to use it. Did they ever teach? That was uh, pre-military training. So uh, you were trained, as I said, how to uh, disassemble this weapon and uh, how to shoot small caliber guns and how to conceal yourself, how to how to react when, for example, nuclear weaponry is fired upon the East German. Uh, territory and all that, all that stuff. Wow! And this was a this was Early around teams. like high school, around you know. Uh, it was before that, yeah. So, okay. so you had okay. the kindergarten, Thanks. and then the elementary school, and yeah. So, and the elementary school, and yeah, in between, uh, this time we had these trainings here. Yeah. Um. And I have a, a question about uh, training. I think they, you know, you talked about, you know, nuclear weapons. I assume they taught you about, you know, gas masks, chemical suits, and then you probably learned more about that in your military. Uh, if the, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, if the Cold War gun hot, you know, chemical weapons and nuclear weapons would have been used. Uh, so I'm sure that was probably pretty big on training. What? Go ahead and tell us about that. Yeah, we had uh, our gummies out. <laughs> so. Uh, rubber pick, so to speak, literally. So you had your completely uh, nuclear, uh, yeah, security poncho stuff, and also your mask. Mask, but uh, yeah, it was uh, us was told, or yeah, my unit was told, it's it's not to protect ourselves, but to protect our. Uh, ability to fight yeah. the enemy back, so <laughs> it was all about that. No regard so for your So it's not that, that we survive uh, this nuclear attack, but that we can for can fight for three, four, five, or seven days uh, longer than the enemy. <laughs> hmm. So, but uh, we trained a lot. It's interesting, and we, we trained a lot with uh, gas masks and. Yet it's, it was also very common uh, to do some tricks by superiors just to to fuck up the complete unit. So running, running with gas masks, and uh, you were, for example, you were cleaning your weaponry. Yeah, then suddenly 
nuclear uh, alarm or alert and you have directly to uh, yeah, set up your, your gas mask and your poncho and stuff like that and out of a sudden we had to move and do a five or six uh, mile run with masks and stuff like that so they they fucked us a lot and uh, yeah that that was a daily basis and the NBA and as I said before in the Bundeswehr it was completely different and that's why why a lot of uh, former NBA personnel quitted their service in the Bundeswehr and also told some jokes like uh, yeah orders are given in the Bundeswehr like uh, would you please uh, go into the fully climatical or yeah, fully climatical uh, or air-conditioned bus so we can move on to to our food destination and stuff like that. So <laughs> they were telling a lot of jokes about that. So yeah, um, when you uh, w- you know with your gas mask and chemical suit, did you have the uh, the little? It's like a little. It's either blue or like a bluish green or a gray, depending on which variant you have, uh, that you, it had like needles and stuff that you'd kind of like atropine and painkiller and stuff in case, you know, yeah. you did. Yeah, that was, that was basic, uh, basic gear here. So we, you had your gas mask, you had your poncho and, uh, your, yeah, ABC gear, so to speak, or NBC gear in English term. <laughs> so you had your, uh, atropine, needles, uh, you had morphine and you also had one guy specialized as a medic that had even more atropine, morphine and all that all that stuff so it was yeah basic here so to speak. Um, I was gonna ask one oh um, so you kind of you play video games now and I'm sure you have been for quite a few years so when you're in East Germany were there any well, like, how did you get in, how did you get introduced to video games? Was it when you when after the reunification? Was it before? Well, for me, it was after the reunification, and yeah, for me, it was uh, it started with uh, a Nintendo <laughs> <laughs> with the old Nintendo Entertainment System, and later on, I know my my first personal computer had three hundred. Uh, megahertz and uh, a boost button so you had 33 more <laughs> megahertz that was my huh. my first uh, personal computer i think it was what was it uh, pantheon 2 or 1 i don't don't remember correctly so well, at that time uh, counter strike was uh, out and even my uh, frames were dropping so low that that <laughs> it was uh, yeah kind of rubber banding and all that stuff <laughs> and yeah also internet on that time was uh, pretty slow so you had else you had the uh, 65k modems or for me I was one of the uh, yeah gifted guys with ISDN so I had right uh, 6.4 kilobits so yeah that that was awesome awesome time at at that era and then for me it was also about uh, strategical games like uh, Panzer General 3D and stuff like that and uh, first later with Unreal Tournament 
was what it uh, 99 oh, yeah. or stuff like that. Uh, yeah, yeah. That, that was the time when I was uh, directly into gaming. So some FPS shooter like uh, Unreal Tournament. I also played a mod, I think it was called Tactical Operations or something like that. Something similar to, to Counter-Strike and from there on, uh, yeah. Did I you... developed myself wow. with more pleasable games. Uh, did you ever play like arcade games in East Germany or pretty much just no experience to games before? Oh, I, I hadn't had uh, the time and the opportunity to play arcade games. For me, it was all about uh, pre-military training or else uh, when I had my my uh, motorcycle was always driving to mm. to to my uh, girlfriend at that time and that was that was my focus yeah um what what kind of what were some of your favorite like east german bands or music <sighs> ah it was uh, music was always a little bit critical because uh you know you you knew that the Stasi could could uh, collect intel or listen listen to everything you say. So music was always critical. So I wasn't that into detail. I just uh, were sticking to normal yeah musical stations. So no, nothing nothing special even today. <laughs> and heavy metal wasn't common at that time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, spe oh, we should ask about music. You know, what, 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 what kind of music did you like to listen to when you were in East Germany? That uh, to be honest, I'm uh, a little nerdy when I when I play uh, special games. So if I play some World War II games, I'm sticking to World War II era sounds. And when I'm when I'm playing uh, Cold War. Uh, games, then I'm sticking to mostly to 80s music. So, yeah. Oh yeah. That's that's uh, I, uh, pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, I listen to. Uh, I pretty much only listen to 80s as well. Um, but I'll listen to you know, like you said, uh, like 40s. I'm doing World War II stuff. Um, so like, uh, I'm trying to think what uh, the. Uh, Putties, the band, uh, City. Yeah, City. Their luck. Yeah, that's that's East, East German music uh, I listen to. But uh, for me, it's also Blue Fashion. For example, with Mad World, it's uh, all-time classical for for Cold War era games. So <laughs> nice. Um, I don't know. Do you have any more questions? Because we've been going for about an hour and ten minutes. Here's something that I found interesting. So I, uh, I'll ask you. I'll ask you first, and then I'll tell you. Um, what was what was like one of the most surprising things about the West when when the wall first fell and the reunification? What was one of the first things about the West that you found out that like kind of surprised you? Like, wow, really? Oof, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's uh, really really tough tough uh, question. <laughs> Hard to answer. Yeah. It's, it, it was just just a overflow of information at that time. Yeah, you had uh, these different songs. Uh, you had, 
yeah, so many different cars, and yeah, it was was uh, awesome at that time. Yeah. And uh, one also, also the selection in the supermarket was completely different than in the East German markets and all that. It was, yeah, the choice, the the amount of choices you you could do in in West Germany. That that was very impressive. Uh, yeah, that's uh, when uh, a Soviet uh, Soviet person I talked to, I'd asked him that, and he said that one of the things that surprised him. Uh, was commercials on like on like TV like the the commercials in between TV shows? <laughs> yeah, the commercials is, is also uh, one thing we had. We at least I am wasn't allowed to watch that much uh, TV, and yeah, we had our propaganda TV so to speak. And <laughs> uh, in West Germany, it was all. All very uh, close to you. What we had in mind to US uh, for USA, uh, yeah, how to, uh, standards, so to speak. So a lot of commercials, as I said, the the amount of uh, choices and uh, selection you had in supermarkets that's, that was completely, at least for me, completely new. It was like from from Africa the first time in a modern supermarket, and yeah, just there's just so much impressions, so much uh, overflow. It was was shocking. Um, I, I had heard from one East German veteran that often they would watch uh, the East German news, and then they'd watch the West German news, and then they kind of pick from both sides what they thought was more realistic. Did you ever watch West German news or no? Uh, I, yeah, after the reunification, I watched uh, some old old news uh, at special events. How how uh, the Western reports about it and uh, how the reports were in East Germany. But uh, in the time where, uh, when I was in the NVA, it was uh, strictly forbidden to watch uh, West German television. So it could it could directly end your career and uh, uh, get you get you in jail uh, to to Stasi Stasi uh, prison in Berlin Hohenschönhausen for example and then you are gone and else you cooperate or you're pretty fucked up that's that's the point. Were the Stasi just as like intense as the KGB or have you, did you ever have any encounters with KGB? Oh. Uh, no, KGB wasn't wasn't. Uh, I know those were I know those were in in Russia, but I didn't. I wasn't sure if you traveled or anything uh, like no. that. And for that, we had uh, okay. politkommissars and uh, yeah, the Stasi were uh, so to speak everywhere. Also, you had uh, specialized Stasi Stasi units like the Honor Guard, Felix Jatsinski, and yeah, all that. So it was was hard was hard in that time at least if you were free-minded have you uh, have you watched the show uh, Deutschland 83 yet yeah I saw I saw that by it but I had to quit after 30 minutes because even normal reports to a superior were just fucked up so so I had to quit it <laughs> uh, how, how he was wearing his uh, Barrett and stuff like that it was just awful <laughs> uh, 
I haven't, I haven't, I'm, a, Luke and I are both reenactors. Luke does East German, I do, or he, I do, um, Soviet paratroopers, and he does yeah. East and West German, so he's definitely more of an expert on that than I am. But I, I, I watched it, and I, I, I wasn't sure what I was, if there were uniforms, uh, are there any discrepancies or anything like that? I mean, they're, 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 they're decent. They're not horrible for a TV show. I mean, they're small errors. You know, obviously a veteran would be able to pick out small, like, how you, how they're worn yeah. and stuff more than, you know, better, you know. It, it's, it's uh, the small details just, yeah. uh, just ruin the show for me, but, uh, if some basics like the uniform is not uh, perfectly right or some reports to a su superior or stuff like that, then it's totally gone for me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's understandable, too. I mean, you, you basically, that was your entire life. So, I mean, it's definitely, you know. Uh, I had heard, uh, this is pretty much my last question. Um, I had heard that often they had uh, keep in like East German soldiers, or well, pretty much all pack soldiers. They kind of kept them, you know, out of the loop, you know, so when they were in barracks, you were kind of distant from what was going on elsewhere in the country. So that like, if there was ever a war, they would be able to, you know, they'd just be like, okay, out in the barracks and you'd just go and, uh, you know, because I mean, there's been a lot of talk that, you know, maybe certain packed soldiers wouldn't have fought they would have refused do you do you think i mean it's pretty well regarded that the east germans were the most loyal um to the soviets of any other nation it's usually the pulls and checks that they're like they might not have but i mean do you think you, you guys would have you know if if war had happened i mean basically from what you've talked about it sounds like yes but if war had happened everyone all of your soldiers they would have went they wouldn't have been like no i'm not going Right. It was uh, not even not even a question in your mind. It's it was just gun. If if the war would go hot, um, uh, everybody would directly pick up his weapon and uh, go go for his duty. That's uh, not nearly discussable. But uh, I think uh, also our Polish comrades. If you have uh, the special forces in mind I mentioned before and also Czechoslovakians yeah. and I think uh, they would would all uh, pick up his weapon or their weapon but uh, for normal conscripts uh, especially in the in the last days of the GDR it's it's questionable yeah that's uh, generally what I've heard is that the the more elite units would be more willing uh, whereas like just general conscripts would be more eh. but you know as, as you said you know just doing your duty for your country not necessarily because you support you know the ideology but because you support your country you love your, your country but, you know, as you said but, earlier. but as I said uh, uh, they uh, and, and the army they were all the time keeping you busy uh, the complete time with uh, training and also was yeah bullshit uh, just to just to fuck you up a little bit so that was uh, all day long that's that's the point keeping you busy uh, fucking up with uh, certain tasks and stuff like that and yeah therefore you you hadn't that that much that a lot of time to to think about it so if you have 60 to yeah. Uh, 70 hours in a week just training and uh, 
been keeping busy all the time, then you do not have that much time to talk about or discuss about uh, yeah, these, these details a lot. Yeah, I think we pretty much covered everything I wanted us to. This was awesome. I think this is gonna be this is gonna be a, this is gonna be a really good episode. Yeah, this has been amazing. Thank you, thank you for being on, man. Uh, you're welcome. <laughs> this has been the Escalation 1985 podcast. We are a small indie team trying to make the Cold War gone hot, but we need your help. Please support us by going to Patreon.com/Escalation1985 and throw a dollar at us. You'll get access to a private Discord channel with us devs at the lowest tier. Higher tiers can get posters, shirts, and medals from Beyond the Iron Curtain, as well as to be the first to see the game once we are ready to test it. Thank you to Synthetic Bobka and Voltage for supplying the music. Also, please leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to this podcast. When you grow big, will you be joining the National Volks Army? Mm-hmm.